yeah, hip hop is a very valid, very, very relevant art form. And I think we should be paying really close attention to it um, in today's culture, especially with, you know, kind of the social issues that we're still struggling with. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. We're uh, really glad to have you listening in today, uh, recording this on the first day of fall, um, which is kind of great because I uh, I was thinking today, this is like probably the most underrated season of the year when it comes to music. I feel like when people think about music, they're usually thinking like maybe summer or winter because of the holidays, but like autumn, I've got like these albums that I almost never listen to except uh, when fall hits and I pull them out. So uh, I'm really excited about that. It's fall. Hooray. Um, we've got a really great show today. I am joined by Cole Kushner, the host of Dissect. Uh, it's one of the top music podcasts in the country. It's incredible. Um, essentially, this is a, a serialized music podcast in which uh, he'll take a whole season to go through an album, break it down track by track, we'll, where each week is a discussion on a new episode. Um, it's been fantastic to listen to. And Cole was kind enough to join me today on the podcast to talk about Dissect and talk about uh, the album that he's dissecting this year, which is Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which, of course, on this podcast, we are huge Kanye fans. So, Cole, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, yeah. Thank, thanks for having me. So I was really excited to do this because a while back, a friend of mine had uh, reached out to me about this podcast. And I, uh, for, to start with, I'm a vinyl nerd. And so like I'll sit with my friends or my wife and I'll pull out a record and, and we'll sit and listen to the record and talk about it. But before I can even put the record on, I have to spend like 30 minutes giving all this background and context and annoying the hell out of everybody uh, because I'm so ridiculous about like making sure everybody understands like the full scope of what we're about to listen to. And so uh, when my friend reached out to me about this podcast, he obviously knows that about me and I was immediately hooked by it. And obviously a lot of people are, it's uh, really been taken off. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about dissect and what goes into it, uh, your your process for putting the show together. But I want to start by having you give a little bit of your background, because it's obvious anybody that's listened to this podcast, like it's clear, like you've got a pretty serious background in music. I don't know uh, from if it's from performance or just study of music theory, but tell us a little bit about your relationship with music. Yeah, I mean, my, my earliest memories are of music um of my dad like listening to the beatles and stuff he wasn't a musician but he'd always play music really loud on the weekends like while i was cleaning and stuff but I, those are kind of like <clears throat> some of my most vivid memories from uh being a child yeah um and so i played started playing guitar at age 13 and kind of just self-taught uh, my way through that and um did the classic like joined a punk band when i was in high school type thing and then um, got more and more serious bands as I got older, um, toured in a couple of those bands. So, the, you know, like the majority of my music life was just, you know, rock, kind of rock music, I guess. Um, yeah. A little bit of like folk jazz type type thing. But yeah, I mean, I was self-taught until I was uh, 23, 24 is when I went to college. Um, and I went to college for uh, music composition, 
and that was kind of the thing when things really changed for me. Um, you know, I thought I knew music cause I had done it at that point for like 10 years or a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And when I got to college, you know, all these other, these musicians kind of, you know, classical musicians had been studying, actually studying music since they were very young. So I felt kind of like out of fish out of water and I had a lot of catching up to do. So that was like the first time, you know, I kind of pretended that I knew how to read music to get in, but I actually really didn't. Sure. So I was like trying to learn how to read music and study music theory in college level classes at the same time, <laughs> which was challenging, really challenging. I mean, I almost quit, um, but definitely stuck through it. And, you know, that was kind of a life changing experience for me to kind of just take me. I mean, I always took music really seriously, obviously, but, you know, it was a different structure to it when you study it at a you know collegiate level. So that was things when things really changed. So I, I got through that. Um, and I really loved the structure of college. And so when I got out of college, you know, I was kind of missing that structure. Um, and just to kind of, I don't know if your next question is kind of why I, I started to dissect, but it kind of just leads naturally yeah. is, um, so, you know, I missed the structure of college and, um, I need, I quickly realized I needed to create a structure in my own personal life to really spend enough quality time with a piece of music because I kind of found myself swiping through a lot of content on my phone and like not really spending, you know, great amount of time with any one piece of art like I used to do in college. So dissect was kind of born out of that idea. Yeah. Uh, just a really a structure to, to force me to sit down with, you know, an album that I considered, you know, that could kind of stand up to that kind of analysis. Um, and that's, you know, the basic kind of, premise of the show was just that it kind of just was for me first and um it's kind of, kind of crazy now that people actually listen to it yeah it's amazing because like going into it i've got a, a pretty good like understanding of you know the career arc of kanye west for example or you know the the history behind what went into making my beautiful dark twist of fantasy but you get into that first episode covering dark fantasy and you're talking about the chord progressions and why you know this note makes sense against this note and it's just like this is like a whole nother level of understanding of this music and i i can imagine a lot of people listening are kind of having that same experience where it's kind of like opening up this whole new world into the composition of of the of these songs and what goes into it so it's uh, it's been fascinating to listen to and like i said the, the show's been blowing up um how exciting has it been to kind of watch the show's following grow and see so many people take an interest in what you're talking about yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really surreal to be honest with you. I just, I always go back to like how I, I do this show. It's like I work full time and then I, you know, I come home and I have a family and to spend time with them and then they go to sleep. And then that's when I, when I do the podcast. So yeah, it's really just this very, very small thing. I was literally just me. So then to just see, you know, people really take an interest and, you know, become quite passionate about it is kind of just, it's surreal. It's just surreal, I guess just because it's yeah. me, like just me in my room. <laughs> yeah, right. And I can't even begin to imagine what goes into putting each of these episodes together, because not only, you know, are you yourself going through and dissecting not only the lyrical content, the, the music behind it, but you're going out, you're finding interview clips. How do you even get started on an episode and how long does it take you to just put one of these 30 minute episodes together? Uh, I mean, I try to calculate it out as best I could. It I, approximately twenty hours per episode goes. Or wow. I'd say a minimum of twenty hours. Um, 
and then that doesn't really count the um the research i do before there's a lot of the research yeah. i do before the season well at least for a season two i quickly i learned a lot from you know um putting together season one um but you know that's the bulk of the kind of general research comes before i even start um any episodes just i learned to be very organized so i you know, organize all, I just will watch, you know, a ton of interviews and then I'll actually like make a log of interviews and what was spoken on at what second. That way I have like reference points and I don't have to like watch an entire interview if I want to use just one clip. I know exactly where it is, right. what he's talking about. So I picked up some tricks like that, but yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, very time consuming, but you know, it's, I like doing it. I just still like doing it. So it's not really, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it sounds kind of like you've got a, a map laid out as you start a season, but as you're working on a particular episode during those 20 hours, do you ever run across something that you didn't expect or learn something new and kind of pull at a new thread that you hadn't planned on? Or, or is it all kind of like, you know, exactly what each week is going to look like for you? Oh, no, I learn on the go. Like that's the best part about the show for me is like, I don't know anything about the song really until I sit down and dissect it. Yeah. Um, I don't just listen to music and I can catch every little thing. Like that's for me, that's sure. impossible. So I learned a ton, just, I can do all the research, you know, preliminary research in the world, but until you sit down with these songs and really pick them apart, you know, you're not going to be able to pull out the nuances, um, that go into it. Yeah. So now that you're kind of starting to build this audience and uh, you got a lot of people listening and kind of acti actively involved and engaging with you on this, what are some of the common questions or feedback that you're getting from people that are listening to the podcast? Not so many questions just because it's so in-depth in already. So it's not much. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just really supportive. Like that's really, I think people pick up on, well, I say it at the end of every show that it's just me and um so I think people really are appreciative of of the show and they know how much work it goes into it. So mostly it's just a lot of support, which is great because it, you know, motivates me for sure. And it keeps me on my toes. Now that I know people are listening, you know, I even, I try to be even more thorough in my research and be even more thorough with my presentation um, just because, you know, there's just that added pressure, which is nice. It pushes me to be, you know, the best I can be. Yeah, for sure. You know, Again, one of the great things about this podcast is the idea of looking at an album as a whole. And, you know, it's <laughs> there's been a conversation going on for a while now of, you know, do albums still matter? Um, are there are artists still even thinking about creating in terms of an album um, just because of the way that the, the culture shifted and the way that we partake of music? Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of albums do still matter. And this podcast is a great example, I think, of um, the discussions that come out of something like this when you look at a, a full collection like this. And I would imagine you feel similar, similarly passionate about looking at it as an, an album as a whole. Would, would that be fair? Yeah, I think uh, if, I'm if we're talking about personal preference, I think, yeah, I prefer more cohesive complex um works that you know have a narrative or even if they don't have a narrative that they're you know you can you can tell that they're thinking about an album conceptually uh yeah. more thought out you know that's that's what i prefer i don't think all music should be that but i think 
that's what I'm most drawn to for sure. Um, and I think you can, you can have it both ways. And I think oh, certainly. You know, Kanye and Kendrick both exemplify that fact that, you know, you can have a song with hits on it. You know, Dark Fantasy is a, a great example of that. There's a number of hits on the album, but what's awesome about that record is that when you hear them singled out on a, on the radio, they're one thing, but then you have put them in the context of the album and, you know, the depth even goes even further, um, you know, kind of where their place on the album, what song comes before and after it. Um, so I think you can have it both ways. And I think there's a place for all, all, all kinds of music, but yeah, I mean, part of me taking the time to, to dissect an entire album versus just one song is to um, show that, you know, the albums can be still relevant in this world of, um, you know, uh, quickly consuming a lot of content um, and not so much substance. Yeah, certainly. And I, I think the success of dissect kind of speaks to, there's an audience out there that's interested in having those conversations and, and talking through those narratives and what it means to look at, at an, at an album as a whole, which is uh, really cool, I think. Um, and as we've already mentioned, you're discussing my beautiful dark twisted fantasy for this season. Uh, I'm a big advocate of this being one of the, the best albums of the past and one of the most important albums of the past 25 years. I'm wondering um, how you decided to tackle this because uh, the first season was to pimp a butterfly, which in its own right is there's a lot there. Um, I mean, there's a lot to work through. What, what made you this season decide to go for twisted fantasy? Well, I've always loved Kanye and I always, I think he's, you know, the most influential, most important uh, artists, or at least one of the most important artists of our generation. And I don't know, I think I was mostly drawn, well, for one, it's just an incredible album, but outside of that, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, landscape of our culture and what he kind of represents is celebrity and celebrity culture is so big right now. And mm -hmm. I feel like he's indicative of a lot of things, including the way that we view celebrity, the way that we have very strong opinions about celebrity. And here we have someone that's clearly a cultural icon doing so much for culture, um, but yet is you know, very, very hated in some circles. Right. Um, and I think that was just kind of an inter interesting dynamic for me to explore. Um, and, you know, how do we view celebrities in the 21st century when we have so much access to them? Like how they're like a big part of our, everyday lives but they're almost you know they're untouchable in a way they're kind of this like um intangible thing that we all kind of live with but obviously they're not real they're not in our real life um so i don't know it's just like those kind of dynamics were really interesting to me and he's someone that i've seen struggle with fame and struggle with celebrity sure. and i don't think a lot of people know the depth of that struggle for him because his, yeah. his outward shell is very bombastic and controversial and he's, you know, has a loud mouth, but I always kind of saw that as like defense mechanism and um, him kind of just, you know, a lot of people act out on insecurities in different ways. And that's kind of the, always the way that I viewed his kind of outbursts. So I don't know, yeah. just um, there's just uh, so many things about Kanye West and what he represents to culture that I, you know, it was just an obvious choice for me, to be honest. Yeah. It, you know, any fervent fan of Kanye West, I'm sure can attest to the, the idea of having 
uh, even close friends or family that like automatically just hate his guts. Like they don't yeah. listen to his music. They just have kind of made up their mind through just news or just the general consensus of uh, you know the culture at the time of like this person is a is a bad person and so as a Kanye fan at least myself I find myself constantly kind of uh, defending Kanye or trying to come to his defense and, and explain some of these things that you're outlining so well throughout the course of the podcast um, I, I'm wondering if you because I, even as I've listened to some of the episodes I'm like man I would love to play this for so and so even though I know that they probably wouldn't hear it um, I'm wondering if going into this if you knew kind of it seems like you knew what you were walking into and that there's going to be like pretty polar opposite sides of this conversation like people that that come to the table to talk about Kanye there's not a lot of people dwelling in that middle space they're pretty much I love him or I hate him yeah, I mean, I address it in the very in the first ten minutes of of episode one because I knew that was going to be something that I had to deal with. So I figured, you know, the first one is episode called "Elephant in the Room," um, yeah. and that was me. Not that was me mostly. Um, well, this album was born out of controversy of the biggest controversy of his life, um, or in yeah. terms of public life. So, you know, fit the narrative, but it also lend lended me um, an excuse to talk about that very thing up front. And I say it, you know, very blatantly, like, you know, let's, for, let's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to listen to this podcast, I just ask that you set aside any personal feeling and let's like, look at him as like anthropologist. Let's look at him as a cultural entity. What does he mean to culture? What has he contributed to culture? and let all the other kind of personal feelings go. Um, because I don't really think, you know, he is a very public figure and an icon and stuff, but I think that dilutes what he really contributes. And I'd, I'd rather talk about his art than his personality or his controversy. Um, yeah. And I, it's a little bit tragic to me that his greatness as an artist is diluted by what media you know, portrays him to be. Yeah. You know, and of course, only partway into this season now, but one thing I've noticed that has kind of been a recurring theme is this emphasis on empathy. Um, it, it's a topic that you've come back to multiple times, and I think it's really beautiful the way that you're able to to frame it. Um, that's obviously, I I can't hear it and not see it as something that's like important to you personally. Like, um on a, on a level that I'm sure covers a lot of different things other than Kanye, but it is something that you've come back to multiple times. And I think that given it's so easy uh, in these situations to react like knee jerk um, in a certain way without even taking the time to think about like, Oh, there's a human being on the other side of this. And um, I find that really fascinating the way that you're able to kind of work that into the discussion. And I, I'm certain that that's a, that's an intentional thing. Um, throughout all of this and something that's uh, really important to you on a personal level. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of the blueprint of my life, actually. So once I've kind of, I don't know, there's, there's, there's so much that could be solved uh, in a lot of places in the world that if we just had more empathy, and I think, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a solution to just a lot. I mean, if not everything, to be honest with you, in my, in my opinion, it's at least gives you a starting point with everyone. Um, and I think, 
I think it's a, you know, it's like anything else. It needs to be practiced. And I think part of me putting it out into the world is one of those things where it's like, if you speak it, then you, it helps you, you yourself do it. Um, and so I can't help but view things with an empathetic lens and it definitely makes it into the show as much as I try to keep myself out of the show. Uh, I, I do kind of insert it in when I feel like it's appropriate to the music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, especially right now where, you know, country is very divided. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're losing sight of things very quick, quickly. And it kind of scares me to be honest. And, you know, I come from like a family that is, um, you know, very, uh, right wing and, I don't really have a side per se, but I'm definitely not a right kind of right wing politically. Sure. But also I know my parents are like beautiful people at the same time. So it's like I can have disagreements about political things or anything else. But at the end of the day, because they're my family, I know, I know there's more to them than those views. So that's yeah. helped me in my life to kind of view everyone that I have a disagreement in that way about it's like, yeah, we might disagree over this or see things in a different light, but you're still a good person. You still have good intentions. And I think that gets lost when people get very passionate about, well, they get distortedly passionate where their their own views kind of block out everything else. And I think that's really dangerous. Um, yeah. And I think empathy is a solution to that. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big part of my life and yeah, it definitely works its way into the show. Yeah, I uh, that was really well put, and I think a lot of people <laughs> are in that position. Uh, I, I know I I can speak for that as well. Of uh, you know whether it be close family, friends, people that you've known a long time, and uh, especially <laughs> in our current situation, having to kind of put these the tendency to react in the moment aside and still view people around you as as humans um and uh it's a it's a difficult thing but i think it's something that um hopefully more and more people are trying to take that step into that role and, and kind of view things through that lens so it's a it's a really important uh really important thing that i'm glad you're you're sharing on the podcast um talking about kanye specifically in a different way um so something I've been talking about for the past couple of years is this idea. So like every year uh, at the end of the year and, and when I was writing for other websites and magazines, they always do like the end of the year list, like the top 10 albums or, you know, top 50 songs, whatever. Um, and something I started to realize is that my favorite songs or my favorite albums of a given year or of, of any time period aren't necessarily what I would consider the best. So my example here that I'll give is, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, in my opinion, is the best Kanye West album, but it is not my favorite Kanye West album. My favorite is actually 808s and Heartbreak um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I don't know, what would you say or how would you talk about your favorite Kanye album? Is it My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy or are there other Kanye albums that kind of rise up in that conversation for you? Um, I mean, Jesus is my favorite Kanye West album. Um Okay by far actually um and i was very close to picking that actually for season two but um oh wow very... I, I was going to suggest that at the end of this podcast that you do use us for season two so i'm really excited to hear you say that yeah i mean it's um and now that i'm digging so deep into twisted fantasy i the Jesus is definitely a continuation of it and then 
Pablo is a continuation of Jesus. So um, yeah, it's actually really kind of cool to look at his discography after 808s and how they all kind of mm-hmm. blend into each other. But yeah, I mean, yet Jesus is for a number of reasons, my favorite album. Um, for me, it was kind of like the kid a moment. I, I love Radiohead and I love, yeah. and I have a, like a, I'm a sucker for, um, what do they call those records? Departure records. And especially mm-hmm. coming from people that have such a large audience, someone like the Beatles who did Sgt. Pepper, or someone like Kid A that came from OK Computer to Kid A. And it, right. you know, they use their platform and their massive audience to expose those people to something that they've never heard before. And then they push boundaries of art like, you know, those aren't the most experimental albums, but they have a larger audience than a lot of experimental artists. So they're going to have a larger impact. So, you know, I have a a really, really soft spot for artists that are willing to do that when their platform is so big, because obviously they could just write out what they've done and, and got success on for a long time, but they choose not to, and they choose to push themselves. And those are the bands and, and artists that actually last. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so Jesus is my album for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I love Jesus. Um, it's an album that I can only listen to a couple times a year, and I always listen to it in its entirety. I feel like uh, I have to I have to sit with it, and it kind of takes a, l- a lot out of me when I go through it. Um, but I love the experience of it, and there's definitely <laughs> definitely a lot of uh, conversation um, to be had on that. Um, what were your uh, thoughts on life of pablo yeah pablo i haven't i mean obviously i've I've listened to it a lot but i haven't you know dissected it at all really um there's definitely a narrative um throughout and same with yeezus and i think i've just i've recently discovered that narrative like the framework of the narrative so pablo is becoming more and more interesting to me um it definitely wasn't like sonically my favorite album from him, like on first take, but now that I'm kind of getting to know the themes and what he was actually trying to do. And a lot, a lot of what I didn't like about the album is actually done on purpose, which is now forcing me to, to take my right. own opinions about it out and kind of listening to what he was trying to do, which always helps at least me like understand or, you know, um, sometimes art isn't, made just for you but it's you should still give it time so i'm kind of in that area with pablo right now but you know i don't have all that much time to really really digest it um just because i'm so deep into twisted fantasy right now right yeah it's funny with kanye i feel like uh well i've for the past three albums um i've written a pretty substantial uh article about each of those albums in the week after its release and all three of those when i read back on them are a lot more critical than if i were to write the same article now so i feel like a lot of times with his music i need to get further away from it before i can uh, really think about it and talk about it in a way that's uh helpful and even (laughs) knowledgeable um just because there's often so much to take in on the front end yeah that's kind of i mean dissect was kind of born you know as a rebellion against not saying yours specifically, but um, just like it seems like there's always this big rush to write the first review about an album. You know, yep. it's like, how do you? <laughs> I remember reading like reviews for Damn like an hour after the, the, the Kendrick's yep. came out. I'm just like, 
how what like, how did you even it was just like i don't know it's just crazy to me so it's like that rush to just get content out there first is just like a little yep. bit dangerous you know so um, yeah it is uh it's an internal conflict i actually battle all the time because uh, we want to get traffic to our site but yeah. we also want to reflect on music in a way that's uh thoughtful <laughs> and uh, a lot of times you're caught in this middle ground of like how how are we going to handle this um and that's uh that is a constant struggle, but especially now, because it used to be back in the day, you'd get a CD like a month in advance, like you'd get a CD in your mailbox. And now you're lucky if you get a stream even before it's suddenly streaming on title yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something. So it's everybody's constantly rushing to give their, their first take. And it's uh, it's definitely diluted uh, some of the <laughs> Uh, some of what I feel is uh, good about music criticism. But yeah, yeah that's a <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Yeezus. Are there any other albums to you that kind of you think about in terms of like, I, I could see myself uh, doing a dissect season on this? Yeah, there's a lot of albums that I would love to do. Um, you know, Kid A is one that I would love to do. Um, more contemporary stuff like Frank Ocean's Blonde. I've got a lot of requests yes. for it, and I love that album. It's a little bit intimidating for sure, but um, so that one's on the short list. Um, Tyler, the creator's new album is massively underrated. I think it's brilliant and it's mm. really, really important. So that I'm really yeah. motivated to look at that one. Um, yeah. So I'm at, you know, the show's growing still and I'm have to kind of play the game of picking something that I, I like to do, want to do, but also something that a lot of people are going to be interested in also. Well, you, you mentioned the word important and that really stands out to me because I think about Topemba Butterfly. That's a really, I mean, that's, probably the most important album of the past several years uh in in my opinion and in dissecting that and going deep on that i mean you're dealing with a lot of issues within the context of these albums that are super important super timely super heavy and i imagine there's kind of a weight to that of like making sure that you're you're wanting to say the right thing and and talking through all of this and trying to have the right conversation as you're as you're putting all this together yeah, and then I think the way that I've just personally dealt with that and like kind of just reflects about my own life is just just being as honest as possible. You know, I don't try to pretend to know more than I do. Um, and, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly especially was a huge learning experience for me um, in terms of African-American culture and what they've gone through and continue to go through. Um you know, there's a lot of people in my own life that were a little bit skeptical of me even tackling an album like that just because mm -hmm. it is so um, central in African-American culture and issues. And it's like, what am I, some white kid in, some, you know, in white America? Uh, yeah. What do I, what right do I have to, to do that? But, and that was kind of my, even my first thought about that album was like, well, you know, what do I know about these issues? But then that became actually the motivation to actually do it was like, well, what person, well, there's, you know, not saying I'm the best person to do it, but why not me? Why not someone that doesn't really know about these things? Why shouldn't I actually research the hell out of them and really try to understand and learn as much as I can about it? Um, right. That became really motivating. And, you know, the platform I dissect allowed me to speak about those things in a very honest way. And I, I think that's why. I didn't really receive that much backlash or any really backlash about it at all. It was just, I think I approached it very honestly and I think people can sure. kind of pick up on that. Yeah. 
So as we kind of wrap up the conversation, if you wanted a, a person that listens to dissect to come away with like one thing or to to feel one thing and going through this uh, these seasons and these albums with you, what would that be? What would be the main goal? Um, I think the main goal is just to, um, I guess, inspire people to to appreciate art in our contemporary culture a little bit more than we tend to do right now, at least in my observation. I only say that because I was falling victim to it myself. Um, it's really easy to get caught up scrolling on your phone for hours and getting just sucked into yeah. these content wormholes. And you come out really not knowing anything that you didn't know before and you just kind of just pass time with this stimulation. So I, I would hope anyone that listened to Dissect would then take that similar approach. I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. That's not realistic, but you know, just value, value great content a little bit more. Um, people put really, you know, people still put a lot of time and a lot of thought into art. Um, and I think we do it a disservice if we just ingest it like everything else that we're ingesting. So I'd hope that you yeah. just are like inspired to, Maybe sit down and just listen to music. I know a lot of people don't do that. Um, and just, you know, appreciating music as an art form. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I know we're wrapping up, but a lot of the reason that I started Dissect was to appreciate hip-hop specifically as an art form. Mm. And, yep. you know, my classical background, the same kind of analysis that I apply to classical music I tried to apply to hip hop music to prove that it can stand up to scrutiny when it's done well and that it is a valid art form. Um, so I guess my secondary thing would be, yeah, hip hop is a very valid, very, very relevant art form. And I think we should be paying really close attention to it um, in today's culture, especially with, you know, kind of the social issues that we're still struggling with. Um, it's just really, yeah. really important and very, it's an art form. It's a valid art form. Yeah, absolutely. And as somebody that's been listening and uh, arguing for hip hop my whole life and has had multiple conversations specifically trying to convince people on the, the artistry of sampling, uh, that second episode of this Kanye season where you like really dove into like what goes into sampling and uh, and what it is was like music to my ears. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for somebody to articulate this as well as this. So um, you're doing a great job. Um, tell us really quickly where people can go to learn about the podcast and how they can support it. Because I know that uh, you've got a lot of listeners that are kind of helping uh, support the the expansion of the show. Yeah. I mean, um, you can listen on you know, Apple podcasts or it's on you know every podcast player. So just search dissect. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, sharing on social media is huge. That's where a lot of the growth of the show has come from. So if you like the show, you know, post a link on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. Um, those that really helps. I have a Patreon account, so if you're really, really into it, you can donate a very small amount every month, and that helps. Um, you know, hosting fees and stuff that I'm paying. Um, but Excellent. mostly just listen and you know and spread the word. That's the that's the biggest thing. Perfect. Well, Cole, thanks so much for chatting with me tonight. I uh, really appreciate it, and we love the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. That's going to do it for this episode of the official It's All Dead podcast. Uh, check us out at itsalldead.com. We've got a, a, lot of, a lot of new albums coming up this fall that are turning 10, and you know how much we love writing about uh, albums having their 10-year anniversary. So uh, check it out, It's All Dead. Follow us on social media. And if you like the podcast, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite 
podcasting platform. And uh, that's going to do it for this time. I'm Kyle Hawk, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more. 